Employment Roundtable podcast is produced by the Gable Gottwalls Law Firm. The Employment Roundtable is provided for educational and informational purposes only and does not contain legal advice or create an attorney-client relationship. The information provided should not be taken as an indication of future legal results. Any information provided should not be acted upon without consulting legal counsel. Welcome to the Employment Roundtable, where we provide you with the perspectives and information you need to make wise employment decisions for your employees and your organizations. I'm your host, Talitha Ebright, and today we're talking with the EEOC's Holly Cole and my Gable Gottwell's partner, Paula Williams, about the second of a two-part series titled COVID-19 and Disabilities. This episode looks at the intersection between the ADA and COVID long haulers. So Paula, I have to admit that uh, you first used the term long haulers and I had no idea what you were talking about um, in relation to COVID. So will you please explain what a COVID long hauler is? Well, I'm not a doctor and I think that- uh, (laughs) But you play one on TV. Right, I play one on TV. Uh, I play one on this podcast. Well, so a COVID (laughs) long hauler, I think that that definition has evolved and it's really evolving as we see more and more people develop strange symptoms and ongoing symptoms. You know, I, I know someone, I know someone through Facebook, right? So, um, but someone I saw on my Facebook newsfeed the other day that someone I know months after COVID had completely resolved, no other symptoms has now developed the, um, the, the condition with your senses where smells are strange. So good smells smell bad, bad smells smell neutral or the like, and it can really impact your daily life. And so that's that's an example of what I'll call long COVID. The, the EEOC addresses long COVID in, in the guidance that I'll just mention because um, we mentioned it in part one of uh, this, this these episodes, but the EEOC has released a lengthy guidance that addresses all kinds of issues that are very helpful for employees and employers to know how to handle certain situations. And the EEOC has um, discussed long COVID, gives a link to the CDC website, but it's someone who's experiencing COVID-19 related uh, intestinal pain, vomiting, nausea, um, symptoms that are lingering for months, even if it's intermittently. Um, and, and it, it substantially limits a major life function, which is why we're talking about disabilities here. And so that's, that's long COVID. And that is a situation, one situation, and we'll talk about a few others today where the EEOC has said COVID-19 may be a disability in certain situations. One of those is long COVID. Thank you. Uh, that's super helpful. So, um, then Holly, are there differences in how to evaluate the application of the ADA who, to people who experience um, the standard duration of COVID symptoms and uh, long haul? And then also, you know, I think Paula hinted at some other situations in which COVID might um, might result in a disability. Um, mm-hmm. How does the EEOC sort of evaluate those issues? Yeah, thank you. Um, that kind of echoes the... Um the point Paula made about, you know, we start with the idea that, you know, typical COVID, the kind that, you know, might last for a little bit and then it resolves, 
Um, that's not a disability as, as the Americans with Disabilities Act defines a disability. Um, it's a short duration. It's, it's not, uh, it doesn't affect you know, major life activity. It doesn't meet that criteria. So we start with the idea that, that you know, many people, maybe hopefully most people, um, don't become a person with a disability just because they, they test positive for COVID. Um, so then the other part of that are um, the people who do, you know, de- either develop a disability because they have become, uh, because they've tested co- positive for COVID or um, they already had a pre-existing condition. They had a disability already and then getting COVID made that disability worse. So, um, you know, like Paula mentioned, there are things like um, sometimes people develop multiple day headaches, migraines, dizziness, brain fog, mm-hmm. um, a lot of gastrointestinal issues that we've seen. Sometimes um, heart disease can be exacerbated by COVID. So those situations, those would kind of fit that long hauler definition or long COVID definition that we're talking about. But it's that group of people that employers really have to um, deal with when we're talking about reasonable accommodation issues. Um, Because those are the folks who, you know, one, are going to need an accommodation and to, you know, in, entitled to, to an accommodation in the workplace, if that can be done. So that's, um, you know, employers, I, I would think, ought to focus on those folks who um, COVID has really either exacerbated an existing disability or it has become a disability because of their conditions is so severe and, and has not cleared up in a short-term time. And so, you know, I think that leads into the next question then, Paula, which is how does an employer know whether um, whether an employee's COVID uh, experience results in a disability and um, whether that be um, because it's long COVID or because it exacerbates another condition? Yeah, so in this situation, employers are going to follow the same interactive process that they're used to, uh, to know if any employee has a disability. Now, the interactive process comes into play when the disability is not obvious. So, um, you know, if someone is missing a limb, uh, then their disability is is obvious. But with, with long COVID and, hey, I'm having heart palpitations, it's not obvious. And so the employer gets to ask, um, and gets to ask for um, a doctor's input, the, the employee's doctor's input on what their disability is, how it uh, prevents them from performing their essential job functions, and what accommodations would allow the employee to perform their essential job functions. The employee doesn't get to pick the accommodation. They can certainly ask for a specific accommodation for the employer to consider, and the employer should consider that. And the employer should also consider if there are other uh, accommodations available that can accomplish the same purpose. Now, if I can, can I talk for a minute about temporary work, Talitha? I would love that. Yes. Okay. So, you know, one of the things that we've seen a lot of is employers who uh, sent workforces to work temporarily from home. And then in in times that COVID comes back down, they bring everyone back in. And then we have employees who ask for remote work as an accommodation. And the employers in those situations need to be prepared to explain why the uh, move to remote was permissible 
when COVID was high and it was taken as a self health and safety mitigation effort um, or to keep people healthy, keep the business running um, and why it's not available as an accommodation now. So sometimes when we kick everyone temporarily remote, they aren't actually able to perform their all of their essential job functions. And we allow that for a temporary time in order to accomplish a specific purpose, which is to keep everyone safe and healthy and keep the business running, keep the economy, keep the economy going. When everyone's pulled back, the employer still needs to consider and evaluate that request. And the employer needs to also evaluate, okay, if I'm not going to allow temporary work, is there another accommodation that accomplishes the same thing? So if I have an employee that's now on oxygen because of COVID, and now they're going to be on oxygen going forward, and they're at a heightened risk for um, if they contract COVID again um, for having a negative outcome, and they request remote work to accommodate a disability. Uh, can we move their office away from others? Can we have them go in an entrance that's different from other employees? And taking a look at their essential job functions, can they perform their essential job functions remotely? If not, which ones could they not perform? And so it's still the same process. Um, you know, employers also want to be ca cautious of uh, how they treat people who have had COVID and specifically long COVID or um, sub conditions that last several months. There's no magic timeline for when it becomes a disability, but the EEOC has used the word several months and has also referenced a few weeks for when it may not be a disability. It's always fact specific, but once an employee, I'm talking a lot, so thank you, but once an employee has that disability, um, it may resolve. They may not have the disability for life, but you can also uh, have a dis disability discrimination claim when someone has a record of a disability. So they had a disability at one time and they don't anymore, but you're treating them a certain way or you're not promoting them or you demote them or, or the like. You, you, know, you treat them differently because of a record of that disability they had. And employers uh, can also draw a regarded as claim. And, you know, Holly's, Holly's the expert on all this stuff, but a regarded as claim where maybe they don't have long COVID, but you, you treat them like they do. Um, and so you are still using a disability uh, to make a decision, a negative decision in the workplace, even if they don't actually have that condition, they may still have a disability claim. That is awesome. I mean, I uh, again, I've learned so much from hearing the two of you today. Um, particularly, I, you know, I didn't know anything before about um, having the disability in the record and how that could be the basis for a discrimination claim. Am I on mute? No, I'm not. Nope. Okay, sorry. About no, no. That. Um, I, I wanted to, if we have a, another minute, I wanted to kind of kind of circle back to something that Paula said, um, just to highlight the importance of the of the interactive process. That that is such a fluid, um, fact fact specific process um, that employers and employees engage in, and that dialogue needs to be open and often. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you're talking about telework, and many of us are still teleworking. We're here mid-February of, of 2022, and we're, you know, and uh, I'm still teleworking. And so the what is important to keep in mind, and I think we're all becoming more aware of it, is our economy, our workforce, 
how we do business has evolved out of necessity because of the pandemic. And I'm shocked at how much I can actually get accomplished at my house when my cat's not sitting on my lap, but she just got down. So, um, but, but so I, I think it's important for employers not to just take a hard and fast rule that says, oh, no, 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 you have to come back in the workplace um, because they have to step back and go, okay, well, it, it might be feasible to do this. You've been doing it for two years, so it might be okay. So I like that idea of just keeping that dialogue open and with the, with the you got to, you know, in, businesses have to stay in business and they have to, they got to be concerned about the productivity, their, their finances, all of that kind of stuff too. Um, and then balancing that with, can we get this work accomplished if we're giving this accommodation too? So it's a lot to consider. It is, you know, but I think the discussion has really highlighted what we've all kind of experienced in the last two years, which is that, uh, A, we're probably a lot more flexible than we ever realized we could be and a lot more um, able to adjust on the fly to evolving situations. And so just if employers can sort of keep that mentality as they approach these issues with their employees, then um, then it'll be a good thing for everyone. Um, so thank you both for, for that input and that advice. Um, so once again, thanks, thanks very much, Paula and Holly. Um, and thank you to our listeners for tuning into the employment Roundtable. Please join us next time as we provide an overview about religious discrimination in the workplace. Thank you. All right. Thank you. The Employment Roundtable podcast is produced by the Gable Gottwalls Law Firm. The Employment Roundtable is provided for educational and informational purposes only and does not contain legal advice or create an attorney-client relationship. The information provided should not be taken as an indication of future legal results. Any information provided should not be acted upon without consulting legal counsel. 